Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. So glad that you're tuning in. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7, and we're going to continue our study in the life of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. I tell you, what a wonderful, wonderful Savior that we serve. Let's go ahead and pray, and we'll, we'll get started right away. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we're so thankful today. Thankful for your goodness. Thankful for your mercy. Thank you for sending us Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Father, we just ask you right now, flow through us. Give us revelation, Lord. Show us. Give us a clearer and deeper understanding of our Lord and Savior. And Lord Jesus, we love you with all of our hearts. As we study your word, we're thankful, hallelujah, for what you have done in our life. And we give you praise, honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, like I said, Mark chapter 7, we're beginning in verse 24. We'll be reading through verse 30. This is the the incident in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ where a Syrophoenician woman comes to him on behalf of the woman's daughter. And so we begin reading in verse 24. And from thence he arose and went into the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. So here's the Lord Jesus. He's retiring from a very, 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 very busy uh, time of ministry. Uh, he goes out of the nation of Israel. He's out into now the area of the Gentiles, and he did not want anyone to know that. Uh, I'm sure it was to spend time praying to spend time with his disciples, uh, to teach them, to have some close communion with him. But as always, the fame of, of the Lord Jesus had spread abroad so that he could not be hid. Verse 25 says, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him. See, the news spread abroad. <laughs> I tell you. Uh, when you have the kind of ministry and the kind of anointing that the Lord Jesus has, you'll never, you'll never be lacking in opportunities uh, to minister. Verse 25 again, For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And then Mark adds, The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and, be, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. So this woman was from Syrophoenicia, which was a province of Rome. Uh, she was a Greek. She was of the Greek culture, which means that she was exposed to the worshiping of several deities, which were no more than uh, demonic uh, forces. And this means that she was a pagan. She was outside of the covenants of Israel. She was without hope, hopeless. She was out without God, godless. Matthew records that this woman was a Canaanite, and Canaanite were enemies of the nation of Israel. And being a resident of a Roman province, uh, that uh, so she was exposed to uh, demonism, demonic activity, the worship of idols. But we're going to see here that this woman was not outside of the grace and the mercy of God. And then verse 27 tells us, but Jesus said to her, now this woman is beseeching Jesus on behalf of her daughter, 
that he would cast the devil out of his daughter. And notice what Jesus says here. But Jesus said unto her, let the children first be filled. Talking about the covenants, talking about the children of Israel, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. Now, when Jesus said cast it unto the dogs, this was a term that the Jews applied to pagans. And it was perfectly acceptable at that day and time. We would not call um, sinners dogs today. But I want you to notice something, that Jesus, when he called this woman a dog, he did not use the word kuon, which speaks of ravenous dogs that roamed the streets that ate off a dead carcass and garbage. He used the Greek word kunarios, which means a little puppy or a pet, a puppy, an animal that the household would welcome as part of the family, um, loved, and they would welcome this puppy into the household and they would feed this puppy with the same food, albeit underneath the table, the same food that the family ate. And I want you to notice that. I want you to notice that uh, even though uh, this woman is described as a dog, Jesus uses the word little puppy. And I can see this. I can see that even though this woman was outside of the covenants of Israel, that this woman was not of those who Jesus came to seek and to save. That is reserved for the church. But now this woman, she came. And she was a kuon at one time, but she heard of Jesus. Something stirred on the inside of her. I'm telling you, it's the compassion, it's the mercy, and it's the grace of God that stirred in this woman. She is in a desperate situation. Notice she's not going to her deities. She's coming to the Lord Jesus. And by coming to the Lord Jesus, she is no more looked upon as a kuon, but Jesus looks upon her as a kunarios. Hallelujah. So Jesus says to her, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it unto dogs. But notice this, but she answered and said unto him, yes, Lord. She acknowledges that. She acknowledges who they are. are have you ever acknowledged that you are a sinner? If you're listening to this broadcast and you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and life, do you acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner? And acknowledging that fact, are you acknowledging the fact that you are humbling yourself? And acknowledge the fact that Jesus is the only one that can save you. Many years ago on the streets of Jacksonville, witnessing on the street corners, I would ask, you know, sinners would come by. I says, aren't you tired of the kind of life that you're living? One man turned around and says, no, I love my life. I am a sinner all the way, all the way to hell. That's what he should have said. Should have, I, swear, I wish I'd have had the wisdom of God say, yeah, you, you, you are a sinner all the way to hell. 
Many of them are marching. Many of the people in this world are marching on that road that's going to lead to hell. And what are you and I going to do about it? There are many signposts on the road to redemption. Folks, you and I need to get out there. If, we're sa- if we are the saved, then you and I need to get out there and we need to start waving those signposts. So this woman answered and said, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And what this woman did, she turned that statement to Jesus. She did not get offended and turn around and just walk away. No, she turned Jesus' statement around as a persuasion, as an appeal to the Lord to heal her child. She appealed to the Lord's mercy. She appealed to the Lord's grace. And both came upon her. Oh, I tell you, this is an amazing, an amazing story. And Jesus said to her, for this saying, go thy way, the devil is gone out of thy daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. Notice this woman accepted the word of the master. She didn't appeal to him to come to her house. He would not have done that. But she went home and she found the devil had gone out of her daughter. Praise God. And so what this teaches me is that she, this woman, pled her case. She was granted her appeal because she tapped it. She entered into the grace and the mercy of the Lord, the very grace and the mercy, the door of grace and mercy that the Lord had opened for her to enter into. Praise God. And the lesson that I see here is that persistence is the key to success. This woman would not give up. And as a result, her reward was the healing of her daughter. And isn't that what Jesus has taught us in his Sermon on the Mount? Notice what Jesus says here. This is found over in Luke chapter 11. I'm reading this out of the NIV translation. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. And there's a lesson in this. Talking about importunity, talking about shameless boldness as we enter into prayer. There's forces arrayed against us. There's forces that are just not going to fold their hands, stand up, and leave. They are going to stay. They're entrenched. They're going to stay there. They're going to fight. Men's hearts are like that. Some men's hearts are like stone. Notice what Jesus says here. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. 
Knock and the door will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. And then Jesus says this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Oh, he's a God of mercy. God is a God of justice. He's a God of compassion. Like Moses cried out, he is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice. He is a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Aren't you glad that God did not give to us what we deserved? But he gave to us and lavished upon us that which we didn't deserve. And that's the gracie, the grace and the mercy and the justice that came to us through Christ Jesus. And I'm not talking about social justice. I'm talking about biblical justice. I'm talking about forgiveness. I'm talking about the mercy of God. I know what I deserved and you should, too. You know what you deserved. But God lavished his grace and mercy upon you. Why? Because he's moved with compassion. Hallelujah. And he literally moved heaven and earth so that you one day would be with him. Praise God. What a message. What a message today in this incident with the Syrophoenician woman. That's what we were. We're nothing but pagans. We were the kuon of the life. But because we were drawn to Jesus through the message of the gospel, God changed our heart and turned us from a kuon into a kanarios and fed us with the children's bread. And now we are sons and daughters of God. I tell you, you can't get any better than that. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, moving on. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 through 37. This is the incident where Jesus heals a man in the capitalist in a, in a most odd fashion. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. Now, remember Decapolis. That's the area that he went and cast that uh, the legion out of that man. And they begged Jesus after the incident to leave. Well, that man that had the demons cast out went back to Decapolis and began to declare all over the area of the ten cities what great things Jesus had done for him. So now he returns and they know him. Amen. Praise God. Verse 32, and they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude. Notice that he took him aside from the multitude. There's some things that Jesus wants to do away from the crowds. Amen. You see, we always, you know, preachers always want the big crowds. 
But there's things. But I, I am convinced that the greater a lot of the greater works of God are done away from the crowds. That's why if you're a pastor of 10 or if you're a pastor of 20, you're a pastor of 30. And the spirit of God is moving in your little congregation. It's moving in a greater as as great or greater measure than in the big churches. You know, don't be ashamed of the fact that you're just ministering to a few. These were some were the greatest works. I mean, think about the great work of Azusa Street. That took place before the crowds began to come. Twelve souls, 12 or 13 souls crying out to God, praying and fasting for God to do a work. And God did a work. And those 12 souls and the one leader, William Daddy Seymour, they were the ones, they were the instruments that God flowed through to bring multitude, thousands and millions to the cross. Praise God. So don't despise that. Don't think down about that. I mean, you hold your head up high. You're doing a work for Christ and you're doing it faithfully. You will receive a reward. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he took him aside. Verse 33, talking about this man that's deaf, has an impediment in a speech. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. That's a command, be opened. Notice the authority. And straightway his ears were opened and the string of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man. But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Amen. Now, the method that Jesus employed here, well, to me, it's just physically demonstrating what he was doing was evident. I mean, his spitting could have been a sign to the deaf man that he would be healed. Nobody really knows. I mean, the the incident here, the method that Jesus used to heal is not explained in the scripture. We know that Jesus healed by touch. He healed by command. Just speaking to individuals and they were healed. But what does it demonstrate? It demonstrates exactly what Luke records in chapter five and verse 36, where the Jews said, what a word is this? For with authority and power, he commands the spirit spirits and they obey him. Amen. Now, that same power, that same authority and power has been granted unto you and me in the name of Jesus. If we'll be careful to cultivate the same kind of spirit the same kind of relationship with the Father that Jesus cultivated. I am convinced that we will walk in the same authority and power that he walked in. Now, that's an astounding statement. But it's based upon John chapter 14, verse 12, 
where Jesus says, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. He went to the Father, and in response to ascending up to the Father and being seated at the right hand of the throne of God, he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, filled men with the Holy Ghost, fullness of the Spirit. And for 2,000 years, we have been doing the works of Jesus. Greater works. Well, there can't be greater works in quality, but they can certainly be greater works in quantity. How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We can say that of us. We can say that of the church. How God anointed the church with the Holy Ghost and with power, who go about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Are you part of this great band of believers called the church? Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, you're part of it. If you're saved, you're part of the church. You're part of this great throng of believers. All right. Now we have a few moments left. Mark chapter eight, verse nine. We're out of chapter seven. Now we're entering in the chapter eight. And here again, Jesus feeds a multitude with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And in those days, the multitude being very great, notice the fame that is spreading abroad. Notice the, the very great multitudes now, the crowds of people that are following Jesus. And in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and says to him, I have compassion on the multitude. Because now they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, there are five times where, where Matthew records that Jesus was moved with compassion on the multitudes or Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, on people, on individuals and on groups of people. Five times. And of course, five is the number of grace. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you that the more of the grace of God we release into our lives, we yield to in our lives, the greater our compassion will be for other people. If we don't have much compassion upon people, then there's not much grace operating in our lives. So we need to remember that the more of the grace of God that we allow the Lord to release into our lives, the greater our compassion will be towards others who are out of the way. Notice again, verse 2, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from far. So here's the second incident now with Jesus feeding the multitude. Verse 4, And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy, satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? We're talking about 4,000 men. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you suppose that there were women mixed in with the men? Do you suppose that men had brought their entire families? Were there children there? Well, we don't know, but it's a strong possibility. And he asked him, verse 5, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. 
And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and break and gave to his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fish and he blessed them and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled and they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets and they that had eaten were about 4,000 and he sent them away. Well, there's a possibility that those were just the men that were counted. There could have been more people there. All right, now moving on, we have a few moments left. Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 10, and straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. Now, Dalmanutha was, uh, archaeologists believe, was located on the western side of the Lake of uh, Galilee, uh, probably in the region of Magadan, where Mary uh, Magdalene came from. Now, notice this, verse 12, and he sighed deeply in his spirit. How many times has the Lord Jesus done that up until this point of time? How many times has he been accosted by the Pharisees? And how many times has he answered him? And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given. Notice that. There shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them and entering into a ship again departed to the other side. And no sign will be given. Well, how many signs has Jesus already given this generation? But they still would not believe. Now, here's a section here in verses 14 through 21. We want to end here. But this is where the, G, the Jesus now on the boat going over to the other side warns the disciples of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, verse 14, Mark chapter 8. Now, the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Now, let me explain this. The leaven of the Pharisees is religious tradition that is contrary and opposed to the word of God. The leaven of Herod is the luxurious, extravagant lifestyle, the power to have position. Both of these you and I are to be aware of and stay away from. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive? Do you not understand? Have your hearts yet hardened? When I have having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments do you take up? Did you take up? And they said to him, 12. And when the seven among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments took you up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? What Jesus is talking about here, he's talking about false doctrine. He's talking about power. If you're a minister today and you're vying for power within the church, you're following a wrong spirit. You humble yourself. 
you take the lower seat and you do it faithfully and God will promote you in time. But don't try to do that yourself. How many times have people, quote, got a revelation, amen, that they were told this, that's not the word of God. That's not scriptural. I don't care. It's a revelation. I'm going to preach it anyway. People who say that and do that start on a road to ruin. Do not in the end of your life wind, wind up on the spiritual junk heap. Stay humble and stay with the word of God. That's the best way. Amen that God has prescribed for us to end up blessed in life. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you today for your word. Amen. Lord, we open up our heart wide to receive it, that we may act upon it immediately and be blessed. We give you praise, honor, and glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.